This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome to a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by someone that I've been watching. I've been reading for close to a decade. He's very old. I'm saying all of that and being very mean in this intro because he was just calling me a nine-year-old for my eating habits prior to recording. So I felt that this was not totally out of left field for me to call him out on this front. But it's the recently retired, now unretired, Beckley Mason of mm. Hoop Speak Live, now of Bleacher Report. See, I saved it at the end with this intro. There you Beckley. go. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having it's me. It's weird, man. I'm just excited because you are someone that... Um, it's weird when I talk about like different things on basketball Twitter from it just now versus just years ago and how it's it's changed a lot. Um, but just you're never really on Twitter anymore. But um, just I'm years lurking. Ago. I'm living. Uh, I'm living by the the three L's of Twitter. What for are me. those? Look, look, like, and lurk. So I'm okay. actually like still totally addicted to Twitter. Um, probably in like an unhealthy way. I just don't post. Mm, but I'm watching. Okay. You're just watching. Good to know. Also kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, not here. I'm not here to, to sell, you know, a vision uh, that isn't true. <laughs> okay. Um, you also get a, a, just a first glimpse of what the news is going to be like the next day before anybody else with the skim. So you get an inside look there. You're ahead of the right, every single day, right? right? That's <laughs> You're true. just uh, yep. always lurking and ahead of the game, man. That's uh, that's that's what it's about. You realize at a certain point that uh, you give all your ideas and thoughts away on Twitter. You're like such your life force. So that's, I'm doing the opposite. I'm uh, absorbing all the hate and craziness and, and then using it in the real world. How is that working out for you? Yeah, ups and downs, peaks and valleys. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but it's does, like, I have, I... I'm like extremely online and then have like all these, you know, references and stuff. And you have to just be careful where you bring up like how you saw something or what like funny video, you know, be like in polite company, you gotta like, 
tone it down a little bit. So, you know, kind of like a closet Twitter addict uh, most of the day. Is there a a recent example where you you realized that you were talking about something that no one else had any idea what you were talking about, and it was just because you'd been scrolling through Twitter, and there is just no one else for you to have that moment of this, this is great, and I don't know who to talk to about this. Um. Well, one example is, and then like I I, I saw this, and I didn't, you know, sometimes I'll like email or sorry, not email, not that, not quite that old. Um, you are in your 30s. You know, like a, a, a group text, <laughs> you know, like something funny that I see. But I saw this story of, uh, and like this is kind of like random shit that gets tweeted in your feed. I saw a story mm-hmm. of um, a woman who was having a procedure done in, in Japan uh, internally um, with like lasers and who farted and like basically lit the laser on fire. So like I had that. <laughs> image in my mind with like basically nowhere to go for it and that's like that's the weird thing that twitter does if you're not really participating is you like you absorb all this stuff but then you're not really like a part of the weird community in a true sense because i'm not really posting at all and yeah. uh, as a result you just like bottle that weirdness <laughs> up you like can't tell someone about that that's not like Hey, like, look at my phone on this thing I saw. Uh, so those are the sorts of moments that I have on a like multiple times a day, it seems. And it's it's weird too because you, I always just think that everybody's on Twitter, especially people my age, and the majority of people mm. are not. And it, it's really strange because it does feel like when I'm I'm like you, where I'm scrolling and I'm looking at stuff, and there are just certain people that well, I always like have, like Crank T Nelson. I have to watch, mm-hmm. I, like I have to look at his stuff every day. And so, like mm-hmm. I have my uncle, weirdly enough, who is 30 years older than me, but is extremely online. He's a drummer in a band, so he's like in my like world and orbit kind of still because he's still keeping mm-hmm. up with all this kind of stuff. But no one he's else. A cool, really he's a cool is. uncle. That's a cool ass. Yes, uncle. he's the cool uncle. Right. Yeah. Um, and y'all are pretty close in age, I think, if he's 30 years older than no, me. How dare um, you? How <laughs> dare you? <sighs> this is fun. I'm going to see how many more ways I can uh, find uh, <laughs> to <laughs> take some more snipes at you uh, for your age. For the, uh, I, I'm really hurt about the off-air uh, conversation we had beforehand. Just <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I did room. that in, in, the, in the privacy of a one-on-one conversation. You're just like... Hey, okay, yeah, haha, and then like <laughs> wait till we get on the podcast and then just start letting me have it. I see, you know, it's smart. They don't call me the cerebral, but it won't be forgotten for nothing. It won't be forgotten. I could see you being vindictive. That makes sense. Lurkers seem like they're more likely to be vindictive <laughs> for stuff like this. The guys who watch Twitter right, all day long waiting for their up. moment. Right. So exactly. <laughs> I'm looking forward to June 7th when you counter me for all of this. That's uh, that's gonna be a good day. Just a random notification. Beckley Mason logged online for the first yeah. time in that month. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> try to dunk on Chase. <laughs> exactly, but we know you don't dunk. You're just a shooter, right? You're you. Uh, that uh, that is that is also super accurate. Yeah, not mm-hmm. a high flyer. Okay, not a high flyer. Neither am I. I can't. I can confirm. I'm just the same way. Are we both like the stereotypical white basketball player where um, we could shoot, come off screens? press annoy the shit out of people um, on defense yeah i don't know i mean i uh i would say 
you know, my game evolved from trying to kind of play like a lot of off the dribble shooting. Like my high, I went to a small high school and um, we, and like, we ran a lot of like four out uh, driving kick stuff. But then in uh, my later years in like rec league in New York, I would describe myself more like, you know, like Mavs era, late Mavs, Jason Kidd, just sort of moving the ball, getting people in the right spot, making it, trying to make it easy for people. You really like when you start playing pickup a lot and like you're not playing super competitively and you're kind of playing in sort of like these ragged games, the value of just like being willing to keep the ball moving and like keep bodies moving and help people, you know, get good hit ahead passes where you're going to get in three on threes instead of five on five. Like, that shit adds up and it's uh that's where I you know kind of realized like I could add the most value in those games was just like pure old man facilitation. Interesting. I would have said at your age you're like twenty nineteen Dirt Nowitzki. God damn it, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I will not that's be good. mocked. <laughs> No, this is uh, I gotta like break you back in, man. You've you're lurking, uh-huh. on the, you're in the shadows, and um, you used to be at the forefront. You used to be like me. You used to be a young pup in uh, yeah. basketball sphere. Mm-hmm. You were hosting Hoopspeak yeah. Live. You were mm-hmm. um, doing the video. You're running Hoopspeak.com. Um, do you miss it? Uh, you know, at times I think there's uh, like especially once I really ramped down and I wasn't you know, writing during the playoffs and covering games. And they were sort of like, felt like there were conversations that were happening that I had been a part of and I wanted to remain a part of. But over time, it just sort of like, kind of the whole thing moves on from where we were. And like, Hoops Peak Live is a great example where it was, you know, we were kind of at the vanguard of that. Uh, and you look at what it became in True Hoop TV, which... I think we did, I, w- I did like a couple of the first iterations of that when we were really figuring out the format and the tech kind of wasn't very good. And that ended up being a, you know, staple franchise that Henry and, and the guys at uh, Jade Hoy, you know, the people at ESPN drove. And then Four. after that, yeah, and after, um, you know, everyone got let go by ESPN, then they continued it and it kind of took on its life of its own where it's not even like I'm not even remotely connected to it and it's uh kind of cr- it's cool that I got to be a part of the start of it and the time when you know Ethan and Zach and Amin were kind of getting going and Tom with that particular format obviously they kind of had their own uh careers well on their way by then but um yeah it's mm-hmm. wild to like I went to a show in New York and and saw the you know, it's kind of the Jade Hoy variety show that yeah. he puts on, and it was it was cool. And I was like, man, where did all these people come from? And you know, <laughs> lots of people. You can tell they have a ton of super fans. It's really cool uh, how how kind of uh, vital it's become for a lot of people's NBA fandom. Yeah, I mean, I I love back to back and all that stuff, and I've been listening to them uh, for years now. Um, but I imagine I didn't like you. You 
that's interesting just looking back at like oh wow things have changed but some people are staying the same um zach and ethan are seems like the same tom's really mm-hmm. basically the same but it all still works and it's just <laughs> the casting characters around them uh has changed which is good um mm-hmm. it, it keeps things fresh um i will say i'm surprised you have not made an appearance is it a br thing as to why you haven't made an appearance um, no i'm like i'm just not uh i don't think they I think I'm like basically too far from the past for them to like think of it as like, oh, we should have this person. Um, well, that's what I'm doing which, right now. I'm bringing you know, back in. You're unretired, so now they're, they're going to see Becky a little Mason bit. popped up on uh, <laughs> the Chase Thomas podcast. Is he back in the basketball Twitter game? Like, oh what, yeah, going on I here. He's doing media for, appearances. You know, headlines, headlines tomorrow. I'm sure. Now, uh, yeah, it would be fun, but like honestly, I have like so little to add compared to everyone they have on now who's like so deep in not only like the culture of the NBA and what they're covering, but also like the culture of the show, you know, it's like they've so made it their own thing. Um, I would feel kind of like an interloper. No, you should jump, you should jump back in Jade. I know you're listening. He's another lurker. You can invite Beckley. I give you my (laughs) approval. he's dusted off the cobwebs he's ready to go there you go he's uh he's he's got to warm up obviously with the whole age thing he's got to he's got to stretch for uh, a good 20 to 30 minutes he's got to make do sure yoga. he doesn't pull anything mm-hmm. yoga you Never get older yoga. you can't uh you can't just play you gotta you, know, you gotta train to play be healthy mm. right and that's actually what this podcast is a stepping stone i've always said it was a stepping mm-hmm. stone for bigger and better things um right. it's like when demarcus cousins is playing in the g league kind of getting it getting it going seeing getting the blood flowing and then next thing you know right. i'll be dunking on kevin durant mm-hmm. that is uh that's right um which is still kind of scary because we're always talking about uh-oh what's going on with the warriors now um is this the end is this can they overcome draymond shooting 23 percent from deep and no one uh coming out to cover him and clay having a weirdly down year now that we're nearing the midway point then it's like oh yeah demarcus cousins isn't even back yet like he's just He's waiting in the wings. And then you get the Steve Nash's working out with uh, their first round pick from Cincinnati. What's that dude's name? I already forgot his name. Uh, Jamal Evans. Is that it? Sounds right. Mm, um, maybe. So, yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> but I mean, they just let Patrick McCaw go. And that was like one of the saddest restrictive free agency stories that no one cared about. In, like, Man, the last couple yeah. Of years. That, uh, his, I mean, the picture of him in Cleveland, I think kind of said it all, but like, what a he's got to just hate his agent after that sort of the, the where that ended like if he had just stuck it out how much you know would he have been able to make and and playing on a championship team for three years in a row instead of two years he's still so young um there's like so many ways when you're in that position to make money besides like actually playing on the court i mean you just look at um, you know, someone like Josh Hart, who's definitely a really nice player and, and it's good, but like he plays in LA and he plays with LeBron and it's made him a national figure um, where like every, like people in the NBA know who Patrick McCaw is simply because he played on the Warriors. And yeah. I just think that they, you know, who am I to tell them what to do and what they thought was going to happen. And maybe he, there was something on the table that fell through, but, the ancillary benefits of playing in a market like that. And if you have 
kind of the representation that knows how to get you out there as like a character beyond what you do on the court, if that's something he's interested in, like there's really only a few places where that's possible. And Golden State is one of them because they go to the finals every year. Yeah. And now he's in Cleveland where they will not be in the finals this year. I don't think. I do um, not still... believe so. No. They, are Kevin they mathematically yet. eliminated yet? <laughs> it's a good. I mean, I think every Colin Sexton ISO mathematically eliminates them a little bit more. Oh, every every poor game. Colin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, I don't. Uh, he's so tough to watch. Like when I watch that game, like he does a lot for them. They give him free reign, which I don't know is a good thing for the kind of player that he is. Like he seems like there are some instances where it's like Steph Curry needs time to turn the ball over. He needs to feel things out. Like you have to let young guys play and kind of figure stuff out on the fly and play 30 minutes a night and be bad and just get better through failure. His stuff, like, I'm not sure the coaching is good. I'm not sure the situation around him is good enough for this all. Like, training away George Hill is a little peculiar because, I I mean, Colin Sexton is really their only intriguing young piece because Kevin Love, Larry, Larry Nance is sneaky old. And do you look up and down that roster? Rodney Hood is not a long-term piece. And I'm just like, it, I think it's just Colin Sexton. And if they win the lottery again this year, uh oh my god i mean can we really roll out the Cavs just winning the lottery every like three years just because they're the Cavs <laughs> and for whatever reason dan gilbert deserves nice things when he really does not but um i don't know colin sexton's like a really interesting piece to me um long term because i i could easily see him turning into like this empty calorie 25 a game uh in four years i could also see him just being like chris dunn where it's just like, uh, this just is not good. He's a backup, but he thinks he's like a superstar. I, I don't know what this is. Yeah, I mean, it's always, he's so young, um, and he's so big, and, and like just has so many physical tools. I also like how hard he plays uh, when yeah. he isn't, you know, having his soul crushed. I agree that he doesn't, the situation he's in is not, doing him a ton of favors. I don't know um, how much he's going to be able to grow without in like sort of the Larry Drew running gun. But I do think like got to give him time. Um, and I think we just were, it's, you would think that by now we would be used to people coming into the league at 19 and like playing right away. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. when kids came out of high school and they're 18, they never really played right away. Um, and mm-hmm. they would really, like, give them 10 minutes a game here and there. And we These kids come out of college where they're, you know, obviously playing against pretty inferior talent compared to the NBA and uh, the travel schedule. And that's all, all the documented reasons why it's much more difficult to play in the league. And they just, like, start playing 34 minutes a night. And, uh, you know, if you were, if if Colin played four years and came in as a rookie, that would be three years from now. And Steph Curry, you know, really didn't come into his own in the, in the league. Obviously he was much better as a rookie than Colin is, but like until he was 23, 24 years old. So I, I think it's so hard to really evaluate these kids because it's not like, Oh, let's give them a season or two. It's like, you don't really know what you have until you're 23 
and that's like in four years and they're going to be at that point it's going to be you're in that weird like drew holiday zone where they've, they've kind of had like an up and down first four years and you're like you're going to max them out or not it's a really it's like, like a weird choice. system that's set up yeah exactly you kind of just have to do it because that first max is not as bad and you have like basically the start of their prime and statistically going to be their most valuable seasons around 26. It's it's, it's just like the way that the the contract time out. Yeah, like you're just hoping that like they're average by the end of the first contract and then you're like, okay, then they can, let's just pray to God they find another gear in the next contract and we figured things out by that point. It's like the Andrew Wiggins stuff that Minnesota's dealing with now. Yeah, they're just like, Um, well, you know, look, (laughs) <laughs> there's a trend line here that says there's like what I see and I maybe like or don't like certain parts of that. There's a trend line and there's the fact that like he's still 22 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he could, you know, usually players get a lot better between 22 and 26. And if that happens with him, then he, you know, you look at the trend line, you think it's going to be here. And then you also, for all of those, you have the Tyreek Evans who just sort of like, are good players but don't really mature into cornerstones. Uh, it's it's just such a weird like schedule. Like you would really want to just evaluate someone probably at like sixteen, at twenty and twenty four, and instead it's yeah. like you evaluate them at nineteen and twenty three, and yeah. or twenty two. And so it's like you're just missing like these inflection points in growth and development. Um, and that's just that's kind of just the kind way of that it sort kids. of arbitrarily lands because of the NCAA. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's part of the reason that people just write off all like the Josh Hart's of the world, where it's like, oh, we know what he is. He's in the league. We saw him four years at college. We know he's going to be a role player like Jalen Brunson, all those guys who come in in the late first where it's just we know exactly what this player is. <laughs> we, we've seen this before. We, you're polished. You've spent time at uh, wherever, like all the Michigan State dudes, it seems like, too, fall into this mm-hmm. category. The North Carolina guys who can't go in the lottery, so they stay in school for a lot of years. And then at 22, teams just kind of know what they have, and they're not really worried about the development and maxing those guys out because they just kind of uh, – the JJs and everybody else. It's like, you're going to be a role player. We don't have to worry about you. But the other ones who come in at 18, 19 in the lottery or late lottery – um that are still super young those are the ones that they spend time on because just that's that's the big unknown but it seems like if you come in um a few years later they already assume that this is probably about what you're going to be and it's not like you're going to have some gigantic leap if you played in college for four years yeah which is fair to a degree but i I think you touched on something which is like you can't i think everyone is is pushed by their competition. And so you start playing better people. And if you're like, Josh is a great example. Like you find the things that you can do well at this level. And then you create a career out of them. You know, I think he's like great straight line drives to the basket off of ball reversals and like spot up shooting and then Mm. making those sort of hustle plays. And he's not posting up like he was in college. He's not, ISOing and just taking someone down to the block and kind of getting into his footwork on the in the low post and getting buckets like he's being a but any kind of early on figured out like here's where I contribute and he is smart about how he folks he's a super smart kid actually yep um coached him briefly in DC when he was in high school and mm. 
Yeah, and he um, and he's like making it. I was curious, like how his athleticism. He's not obviously he's a freak athlete in high school, but like even seeing him in college, you're like, okay, this isn't the most athletic guy on the course. So I was wondering how he's going to stack up with the wings. He's not huge. He's not super athletic, but he knows um, how to use his body and he knows how to read the game. And he's figured out that he can do those things even at this highest level. And that's something that you, there's, I just don't know how you evaluate that until you see it to a degree. Yeah, and it's it's interesting the parallels between him and the guy whose job he basically took in KCP because KCP played one year at Georgia and got into the lottery and teams it's like the Malik Monk types where it's just there you don't love a lot of what they did in college but you're like you know maybe if he gets in the right system he develops in the NBA um, he can have a higher upside than just a role player and actually be a go-to score and a a big-time player. But that's just not what happens for a lot of these guys. Teams just take those guys because they're 19, and they're like, well, they're intriguing. And then Josh Hart comes in four years in. He knows what he is. You know, he's efficient. He's learned things. But it took teams like six years to figure out KCP is just a a bench guy, a seventh or eighth guy, not someone you can count on big time. And, I mean, J.R. Smith and a lot of those guys just – they get more of a benefit of the doubt because they just, the clock starts earlier for them. And yeah, well, I would put JR as sort of another category skill wise, but I hear what you're, yeah. you're kind of getting at. I think the one thing about Josh is like, he went to, he got better every year he was at Villanova. And that mm. I always think is like a really interesting sign when someone just like, obviously they should be getting better because you're getting older and the competition is staying the same age, but also, um, you know, it shows that he's developing year over year, which, you know, who knows from that's like you basically, if you're someone like KCP in high school, you're a freak. Like nobody Mm -hmm. is even near your level of athleticism. Like, was the same way. How do you? I watched him in person. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing where you're like, "How is this guy not going to be a star in the NBA?" And then you're like, "Oh, when you play actually a bunch of guys who are just as big and just as tough and just as strong, it's a yeah. little bit different." But Josh is also an interesting case just because he and obviously I'm like invested in his success and really stoked for him. But like when he went to Villanova, he was a I think a three star recruit. Maybe he was a four star mm-hmm. recruit. Um, but like he was a six five forward when he got to Villanova. And he played but he went to a place where he had a coach who was gonna have a five out system and where a six five forward could grow into a six five three, who could grow into a six five two by the time he was a senior, who could really like fulfill those duties as a shooter. Um, you know, learned over the course of his time at Villanova to get the ball up, get his wrist under the ball a little bit more. Um, and if he goes to UNC, like maybe he plays 10 minutes a game, you know, his senior year, maybe he doesn't really get on the court the same way, but he went to a place with a system that really suited his sort of all around talent and it allowed Mm -hmm. him to grow year over year. And I think it's just, we look at a lot of, kids as kind of like they have it or they don't and he was one watching it where i was like man the system he went to the opportunities he had to grow there and the coaching he got i mean jay is a phenomenal coach like 
that's a special path that he was on and that he pushed himself through um, where a lot of guys like Malik, like who knows if he stays for four years at Kentucky, is he averaging 28 points a game his senior year? You know what I mean? Like, is he really you could see it. growing year over year? Maybe, but like maybe he's just kind of hitting 19 points a game on a lot of threes every, uh, every you know, Every game, well, just, every you're basically betting on John Calipari, right? Like you're betting on the coach to figure things out with him. Like James Young is one of those dudes who, like, if you watch that tournament run, you're like, oh, this dude's going to be a thing in the NBA. And then it obviously did not happen. But you wonder if okay. he continued to work at Kentucky for a couple more years. But then you don't like. I would never recommend a player who could go get paid in the lottery right. um, or in the first round to stay. Like it's just bad. Yep. It's, it's just bad business. So they're kind of yep. in a lose lose situation in that regard, where it's like, do I stay and develop for free and get exploited in this regard and risk injury, or do I go get paid and um, bet on myself to develop and at the NBA level? And it's a huge risk. Right. But and there's also no guarantees by you staying for a couple more years that you're going to improve all that much. Um, it turns out it none of this is easy, and there's a lot of nuance. Beckley, who knew? <laughs> Uh, well, I, as you know, I live on Twitter, so this is like the most I've ever talked about anything because I've just been like, observe. well, see, the other thing you do when you don't post ever is like, you just silently hate, you just see <laughs> stuff you don't like, and you just think to yourself, oh, you've got to give me a recent idiot. example. Give me an NBA this take that you idiot. saw on Twitter like, that you were just uh, like fuming over. <laughs> I'll uh, let me open Twitter right now. See if I can find something. I'm sure there's something. Honestly, gonna uh, pretend that you haven't been scrolling this whole time. I get the vibe that you're a Twitter junkie to an extreme. No, um, no, not that bad. I, uh, I'm actually. I have. uh, I have the championship game on in the background, playing on silent. Um, Gotcha. Imagine Dragons. How about that? Uh, Imagine Dragons. What's here? Oh, is that what you were listening to last? Well, I'm not, I wasn't listening to them, but I'm like, they, they perform the halftime show. They have, like, okay. they're one of those bands that you just, you want to hate, but they just, and you, you have to respect, they just put out bangers, like, that people love. <laughs> like, they may, maybe not for me, maybe not something I want to listen to or will be uh-huh. showing up on my Spotify, but, like, they show up at a halftime show and they're like, okay, yeah, I've heard all of their songs a bajillion times. Like they're just everywhere. I thought so. they only had the one that's song. That's my thought. That's my take the on the radioactive uh, thing. <laughs> I I mean that's what I was here for. I was I wanted a little NBA, but more Imagine Dragons than anything else from Beckley Mason on a Monday mm-hmm. night. So I appreciate that. Well, anyway, uh, what else you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, did you not find the tweet? I was waiting on your tweet. No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm gonna. We can cut this out. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to scroll through. It's distracting me. I'm going to be in the moment. Be in the moment with you, Chase. I appreciate that. And it's also a little concerning. And the way you said that kind of um, set me back a little bit. So I'm going to have to recalibrate for a second. <laughs> but because uh, that's a lot of pressure on me, Beckley. And I thought I had the pressure on you based on where this conversation started. But uh, the tables have turned because you, the the host in you has come back. It's It's risen from the ashes as a phoenix does, you know. Yeah, well, I've I've little to gain or lose from this, other than the uh, pleasant exchange of conversation. So you know, mm-hmm. the, the pressure's on you because you're, you know, I guess going somewhere. 
You're going with me now. You're on this journey. Your name will be forever attached to the Chase Thomas podcast, Beckley. So, yeah, yeah. Like it or not, you're a part of this rise. That's what I. That's what I spent those nights blogging, hoping one day I would rise. No, I mean, to, uh, you wouldn't be the make, first make NBA it writer. The annals of... What's that? You wouldn't be the first NBA writer to uh, mm-hmm. just subconsciously Aspire think about being on my podcast. Yeah, and just kind of um being a part of this slow but i mean very worth it ride to the top i mean this is the best up-and-coming sports podcast on the internet i don't know if you knew that or not beckley but i don't think you would have done is that this in the description you didn't hurt good things say it again is that in the description no it's just a like lot of things like that. that. <laughs> Uh, man, irrelevant exactly <laughs> irrelevant um give me your hottest nba take you have right now we're at the midway point in the season basically give me something that you've been thinking about that you're just like you know uh, okay. i haven't Here's had the, the only to say this uh, i would put it that put it exactly that way but the only thing that i really really want to know about uh at this point in the season like I can kind of like, okay, yeah, we've got a bunch of good teams. Let's get to the playoffs. Is the true story of Markel Fultz. Like nothing is as interesting to me still as like what actually is going on, what happened, what happened with his trainer, what happened. Like I saw with him at Utah from Seattle. I went home and – went to a game when he was a freshman and, and saw him just murder, I think, Seattle University. They played at uh, um, Heck Edmondson Pavilion when I was there. And it was like, mm-hmm. this kid, he blocked, I think, like three shots off the backboard. He had a couple alley-oops. He was hitting, you know, making beautiful passes, knocking down jumpers. I was like, this kid is on another planet um, compared to the competition here. He's so smooth and explosive um and so i thought maybe not a sure thing but there's no way he wasn't going to be a really effective player and so to see him crumble like this and to see such a talent not be able to find its way um medical emotional personal psychological i'm just like I think it's just fascinating and I hope it it works out and I really am rooting for him. But to me, that's the the most fascinating thing in the NBA right now. I think it's over. I said it was over like a year and a half ago. Like once the yip stuff came out, you're like, Oh, this is, this is done. Like there are certain stuff with Anthony Bennett and it's just, there's not going to be a story like just the idea trying to think just 15 years from now. You can't that? you can't compare Anthony Bennett to this guy. I'm not comparing like, him, but I'm saying that there are picks ooh, where you wow. just see like little things, like Ryan Leaf. You see like little things at the beginning where you're like, oh yeah, this is absolutely. But Ryan Leaf was yeah. like addi- addicted to drug, like to pills I'm and alcohol. Saying, like, <laughs> right, it's like he a had very other issues. Thi- like what what would you say the thing is here? I would say the thing is mental. He's been cleared. Really? Right? Like he's you can't see inside his noggin. You know what I mean? Like it's right. That's why this is fascinating to me, is because it's someone yeah. Uh I I'm just maybe it is over, I hope not. Maybe he goes somewhere else and it works out, but like 
Uh, what's works out because he was the number one overall pick and he was like someone who was supposed to um be the final piece to a contender like that was the thing is like if he works out from at this point it's like role player like maybe he becomes rick and keel like that's the closest comp is like what happened with him where he was this prize baseball prospect and then he had no control anymore and he couldn't figure it out and then he switched positions to center field and had a weirdly long career um out in center for the washington nationals and different teams like that and it was um he never lived up to what he started out as as a pitcher but he still had a solid career i mean that's the best case is he just turns into like an okay seventh or eighth guy like a sean livingston maybe down the road when he figures it all out but like uh, do i think he can ever become a superstar no i think that's all gone like that would just be that'd be the best sports story maybe of like all time a dude who had the yips and the start to his career that Fultz has had to end up becoming mm-hmm. a superstar would be amazing and that's what i think we should all be rooting for but i don't think that's where this is going i think if i like would you bet on markel Fultz being in the nba in 2020 Okay, I not a would, ton. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on him. I would bet him in the G League. Like I could see him floating and trying, and we like hear these uh-huh. stories that he's gonna keep going. He's not giving up. Um, he's hoping the shot comes back because I think that's gonna be the story. Like we're gonna, it's gonna be like October next year, and they're like Markel's still working stuff out. We'll still see the YouTube clips. We'll still see the Twitter stuff where it's like he's he's still working. <laughs> he's it, it, it's maybe on there. It's a work in progress. Maybe he's he's hitting corner threes at a crazy rate because you'll see those videos. I mean, this whole off season was like the shot looked good, right? And then you watch those free throws that he was taking at the end of the year and. He could still pass because if you watch those Sixers games, his vision was still good. Um, he was still able to read defenses pretty well. He was trying on defense. He wasn't good, but at least he was trying. And the just it was weird stuff like the free throws where the motion and all that. You're like, what is this? Like, how does this happen? Yeah. It's just I, I don't know how you fix all of that on the fly with so much pressure on him, especially in right. Philadelphia. Like, I don't think it gets fixed there. Like the way they were chanting for him, I think, I think Philly fans meant well. But that's awful. Like, that's one of those sad... Like, this is the number one overall pick. This is not, like, TJ McConnell, where that makes total sense. Like, if TJ goes off for 40, you give him a standing ovation and you yell, TJ, TJ. That's what you do. Like, that's TJ McConnell. That's insane. And he would appreciate it. But not the number one overall pick who you traded Jason Tatum for. Like, that's just... You can't do it. And, um, I mean, it's sealed... It, what sucks the most is, like, the Sixers fans. Because I think it sealed their fate kind of as a contender over the next five to ten years because if Fultz works out Fultz and Bede and Simmons is just a terrifying like whatever Fultz could be what we thought he was going to be like what you saw at Washington if that translated to the NBA at an elite level like that diversity and skill sets with Fultz Simmons and Embiid um would be terrifying and then like have spot up shooters around those guys like JJ and everybody else. Like that's, that's a contender for five to 10 years in the NBA, at least now Joel Embiid is their best player by a lot. And I'm not a believer that a big guy can be the best player on a championship team. Like Kawhi, Giannis, Steph, Katie, LeBron, Harden. There's a reason that all the best players and all the teams that are playing in the Western conference and Eastern conference finals are not big guys. You just can't. I don't think you should build around big guys. That's why I'm pretty out on Zion as my number one over pick. I would take RJ every single time. Like that big guys scare me. Like Joel Embiid, it should not be your linchpin. It sh- he should be your backup option. As like, if your league guard is not a superstar, 
then, I mean, sure, try with Joel Embiid. I wouldn't have gone Aiton. You see what Luka Doncic is doing right away. And Dallas, you see all these guys who make an impact. Um, and I think, like, Portland, Washington, when you have two lead ball handlers who are both top 20 in the NBA, it matters. You stay relevant for a long time. Donovan Mitchell, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and now I think Philly's capped. Like, Jimmy Butler is fine. I like Jimmy Butler a lot. They can't win a title with Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. It just can't happen. So... At that point, you're just like, oh, man, Philly fans went from the process is complete to, I mean, we'll be pretty good for three to five years, maybe. It's sad. Yeah. I don't know about all that, to be honest. Like, I I think it's pretty rare that teams are legit contenders for a five-year period. Like, there's usually only one or two every 10 years that is truly doing well, can that. i make the case we're gonna have at least five of those teams right now the bucks Giannis. Uh, yeah what he's doing it. right now Giannis, like if bud and Giannis are together for the next three to five years do you see any point where Giannis, at the level he's playing at under that contract with that group they fall out of contention for the nba finals for the next three to five years but like are you putting them at a, at the same level as the 76ers or like recognizably different but like marginally Um, or or significantly i think it's marginal i think that top four is and do you think that they're actual contenders to win a title or to go to the finals in the east to go to the finals okay so we're not really calling them contenders i think it counts i think you have to consider them contenders if you make the finals no matter what like you're still a contender because you never know what's going to happen like somebody gets hurt all that kind of stuff you never know you just, I think, if right? You get but there, we're if talking about it in the loose sense of like they could be the Knicks in the '90s, where it's like they have one year where MJ's out and they push the Rockets to seven, but for the most part, like they're going to conference finals. Well, hold on. I guess my Latrell point Spreewell is that like, did bring them to the uh, NBA finals in that lockout <laughs> year. Who could forget that? Uh, that's a whole. Run. That was a whole different roster, though. But you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like yes. the actual contending is is a different thing. And I think you, I, I guess you need to have phenomenal playmakers, right? Like whether that person is seven feet tall, like Kevin Durant, or, you know, is more Steph sized, like, or hard. Right, you need, wings and you guards. need to have people who can do that. Yes. But the teams that will punish the warriors and will, I think still like the difference between, um, kind of having a chance to be a true title contender, like you still have to be able to win in the paint. And that's why I think like even the LeBron teams that like, look at, look at even like the Lakers, right? Like they're running every darn thing through LeBron, who's still so efficient in the half court and in the full court. And, you know, you still want him making as many decisions for your team as possible. Like you mm-hmm. gotta have a guy who controls the play above the rim, and and the the Warriors are lucky because they can they basically have Draymond and Steph who can both play that or not Steph sorry KD who can both play that role even though they're not like traditional fives, which gives mm-hmm. them the capability to play a certain way. But like Houston without Clint Capella is not very compelling. Like I still think you need basically someone like Capella is not. Steph impact level but like you need that Ben Wallace character I still think in order to 
take out some of the and like compete with the best um NBA offense stars, right? And you like they should be secondary yeah, yeah. third option. Like that's the thing is they can't be your best. They can't Joel Embiid cannot be your best player. Like you can't have guys like that as your number one best player. I just don't think you can. Well, it depends on what else you have around them, right? Like you can have your number one best player being incredible ball handler and then you have Capella who's a great defender. But I do think you yeah. can have Embiid or Anthony Davis as a phenomenal de- defender. Uh, Embiid's not really in that same class, but as a tremendous defender who um, is maybe not like a primary ball handler, but if you get real like talented primary ball handlers around him, which they haven't really done, that's fine yeah. for him to be your, your best, best player. Um, I guess I'm not, I'm, I get, I hear what you're saying. Like you need to have shooting in the NBA for sure, but I'm not convinced that size isn't still a huge uh, component. Size like, matters. I just think it's more of like, it also just seems like it's a, just a math thing of like who brings the ball up the most, who controls the offense the most, sure. who controls the way the games go. It's the guy who has the ball in his hands a bunch. That's what makes Steph so incredibly valuable is he's the guy bringing the ball up and you never know what he's going to do with it. Um, I just think bigs are no matter what, even if you're a superstar or freak of nature, like Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, whoever, they're always going to be at a disadvantage because they just don't get, they don't control how often they get the ball. Lead guards, lead forwards, those kind of Kawhi's, Giannis, they all control how dominant they want to be. Sometimes Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid will not be able to control it. Nick Jokic, everybody else. Like Denver, they're the best team in the West, but I feel like their ceiling is defined by what Jamal Murray and Gary Harris become, not what Jokic becomes. Um, I think people like Paul Millsap, like you said, I know you like it. He's been incredible. Like their defense, the on-off numbers, the defensive rating, everything with him is a difference maker. Um, even though Jokic is also weirdly um, <laughs> placing well defensively in every stat, uh, stat category. So I think it's interesting. But at the same time, if Gary Harris becomes like that, remember that Chris Herring piece from a year and a half ago where it's like, could he be the next Kawhi Leonard? Like that's what they need is Gary Harris to become a superstar. If he or Jamal Murray to become Kyrie Irving, that's what they need. If that happens, they're contenders in the West. If both just are solid B-plus players, they're not even close. And that's a problem. But, hey, they're still really good and they're really fun. And that's what makes Denver so interesting is they're both shooting below 35% from three right now. And the reason the Nuggets are killing people is because their bench is really good. And Paul Millsap and Nikolai Jokic are very good on the court together. But also Monte Morris is has that crazy turnover to assist ratio shooting 45 percent from three and um you go up and down the list their role players are all performing really well but their starters especially in the backcourt aren't so you would figure that that will change and then it's like well then what do they become at that point but ultimately i just look at what your guards and wings look like and if you have one or two stars there then you have a shot if you don't i just i think you have to start over hmm yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you've seen the limitations of Portland in the playoffs, for sure, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty, you know, it, it's tough when your best players are under 6'3", <laughs> or under 6'4". Yeah. Like, that also is pretty hamstringy because when you need a layup, you don't have a single person who can get it without going through people who are much bigger than them. 
Interestingly, yeah. uh, Kawhi and Anthony Davis have identical usage rates this year. I just looked that yeah. up. And guess who is number one in their conference? Not Anthony Davis uh, and his team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's it's Kawhi Leonard in uh, Toronto. And by the way, <laughs> I have Toronto winning the NBA Finals. I think they're winning it all this year. I said that before. The that year. I'm sticking is to bananas. It. Wow. Nope. Okay. Hey, would you like to know how many teams uh, have won uh, five st- straight NBA Finals? Uh, five. Are they up to five? I think this would this, this will be, be five. Three? No, this would be five straight. Five They've been to the finals. Going to the finals. Yes. How many times? But it would happened? be four straight. Would be three straight winning. It'd be three straight winning. Okay. It'd be five straight going to. So the there's finals. some precedent for that. There's only been one other team that's done that. The Boston Celtics in the '60s. Yeah. How many teams have had Steph Curry before? I just, I'm not betting on them <laughs> making it through. There's something wrong, man. I just there's oh, something man. where it's, it's like known in the West. I don't think it's I think the West. The, the thing the is, Golden I think they're going to go to the finals. Is, uh, yeah, Kawhi is going to eat them. Like that group is so smart, and I love Siakam. I love the, their depth. I love the way they play. If Kawhi's healthy, man, and Danny Green is just so good for them. Kyle Lowry is shooting lights out. I've I gobbled up all the Toronto stock before the year. And uh, just seeing mm-hmm. Kawhi healthy and just murdering people is just, it's very fun. I, I love watching Kawhi Yeah, be he's a, he's a phenomenal major. player. Um, I do think I'm just not going to bet. <laughs> so if the Warriors are healthy, um, I think that they, uh, yeah, I just don't know who on that rap. Like, besides uh, Kawhi, who I really trust in the playoffs to like find another level and maybe they won't have to. I don't trust right now. They look, huh? James Harden, because of what he's having to do over the last month. Have you watched anything he's done? Like this 40 point, like he's averaging 40 a game over like his last, what five or 10, something like that. I watched the full blazers game. Some of the step backs and just the bit, like the way he finds his way in and just, he never catches and shoots at all. Like all of his threes are basically like pull-ups, like the hardest shots in basketball. And he's so efficient at him. And just some of the stuff that he'll pull up with, like it's absurd what he's pulling. Up. Yeah. I think it, the, <laughs> it's uh, crazy underrated how fit he is. Like he must be yes. so crazy in shape. And he's kind of got that look that you always think he's maybe not as fit as everybody else, you know, who is a little mm-hmm. more naturally slender. But, like, that dude, like, he's basically playing one-on-one. Like, if, you know, you play basketball and you play one-on-one. You play, like, that is so exhausting, playing one-on-one versus, like, five-on-five. And he basically is going one-on-one with one-on-four, one-on-five with the ball in his hand for 40 minutes a night. Like yes. that is, I hope that they can find a way to get him some rest. Not that that's ever been D'Antoni's MO, but like, I just don't well, want him to get Rivers hurt. Now. Yeah. Well, the savior. Uh, I just don't want him well, to get though, hurt for them. because uh, he's weirdly he's knocking not down a, a lot yeah, of shots. He's, he's fine. Well, that's interesting. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's got good size. He's kind of knows where to be for the most part. He's like, not Michael Carter Williams. That's a plus. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, the, um, yeah, but I just really like, am worried about Harden 
health. I am too. Like he's just playing so many minutes. And he's just killing people. Like you, I just think that people should at least, if you have not had the opportunity to watch James Harden play a full game of basketball in the last couple of weeks, please do that because it's an insane thing to watch. And you would give him the MVP today if you watch what he's doing. It's almost it's just, like unrecognizable from like normal basketball just because he, right. he is so incredibly vital to like every moment. Um, yes. I'm, I, every time I see a highlight, I, I immediately scan the bench and like scan the other players for any sign of like enough already. And it, I don't know, man, the role players look comfortable with it. They look bought into letting him do his thing. And I guess it's easier when he's doing his thing, you know, to the tune of 40 points and 10 assists every night. But like, it is pretty wild that the, like the lives that these, like the PJ Tuckers are living where it's like, I'm just going to play my ass off on defense. I'm going to set some screens. I'm going to hopefully catch an open shot. And then when it comes to me, I'm going to better knock that thing down because I may not see the ball again for a few minutes. Yeah. But it also lets those guys off the hook too. Like that's the other thing. It's like people are like, Oh, I'd hate playing with James Harden. If you're a star, I would hate playing with James Harden because of what he does. Like you're like, I can do more. I would get frustrated um being in that kind of role but if i'm gerald green or i'm pj tucker or i'm whoever it's amazing like clint capella he's gonna get you paid like he's gonna make things easy for you he's gonna shield you from a lot of criticism he's gonna be the guy he's the insulator like he just takes all of it and it makes your job a lot easier and i think if I, i don't know i've never really understood that argument for role players i think he is like the perfect guy to play next to role players because he is just so critical to every single possession and makes your job easier because you're going to get better looks because he simply exists on the court. Well, logically speaking, uh, that is true. Um, but you know, the vast majority of these role players spent their whole lives getting to shoot as much as they wanted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They just seem to talk to me, uh, for a little bit. Let me sit them down and be like, PJ is the kind of guy who like, even in college, he was sort of a dirty work player so he's had you know but he knew what it was going to be when he got to the league clint's the guy who you know has basically known no other life in the nba um and and seems like his game has always been you know being a great hand running and jumping and uh so i think they've it seems like they've assembled a lot of the right personalities and i don't know why like I, i have no logical uh sort of explanation for why I feel this way, but like, I just root for Eric Gordon. Like, I don't know. There's something okay. about his, his, his look this and how he plays. And... Well, yeah, exactly. Like I was so happy for him last year. And I love his attitude. And he's like, got one of those Gilbert arenas, like huge frames where he just gets yeah. his, his shoulder on you. and can just kind of lean past and lay it in. I don't know, man. I something about that dude. You know, you just have those guys that you love to watch and you love to see succeed. And uh, Gordon is one of those guys for me. So yeah, this year has been a bummer, but I hope he, you know, can at least have an impact um, because, like, really cool, really fun player for me to watch. All right, a couple more quick things, then we'll go. Um, League Pass favorite right now. If you have to turn on League Pass tonight, who do you want to watch? Let me confess something to you, man. I don't even have oh, League no. Pass anymore. 
How is that yeah. even possible? You work for a bleacher report. <laughs> I'll cut this. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, let me make a timestamp. I'll cut no, the this. People, Hold on. The people can know. The people can know that, you know, when I got out the game, I got out the game. And I still <laughs> love it. But, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not staying up to watch Utah and Denver uh, play from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. anymore. Like, it's just not happening. Uh, okay. And you know, if you you're if like, people, I got nets, I got nets, uh, hawks at eight thirty, and then and I'm Nick done. And I got the, Good. I got the, the, you know, the um, like whatever the national games are, and I'll like tune in mm-hmm. occasionally, or like go to a friend's house to like watch a big matchup. But to be honest, like I, uh, when you when you work for you know ten hours a day or whatever, you like, I don't want to just. I don't know, man. It kind of all blends together when you're not writing about it and you're less invested in every moment. Like I watched how Ethan, uh, you know, got into his sort of gambling picks and you can tell that it reinvigorated sort of like his relationship with the NBA, like thinking Mm -hmm. about it in that specific way. I think he was getting mentally sort of a little bit, tired a little like he'd had enough with like the uh kind of grind of just covering games and this gave him a new lens and a new reason to care about those details and so now i'm just mainly watching for like aesthetic pleasure because i'm not analyzing it i can't i can't do it halfway where i'm like sometimes i'm breaking down thinking about like out of bounds plays and crap like that and and other times i'm just like mindlessly watching basketball it's it's hard to kind of be in the middle you know what i mean yeah well i'm gonna bring you this is step one that didn't disappoint you you. (laughs) that disappointed you uh jesus well it's the truth man you gotta you gotta confront the truth in this day and age are we sure that it's just you don't know how to operate League Pass? That like you don't know how to use oh smart TVs God, in that regard? You son of a bitch! <laughs> I was so there are smart TVs. League, I was using League Pass when you were in short pants, Sonny. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's true because I don't think League Pass existed. I think you were just like recording stuff on uh, VHS tapes, and you were um, no. I, the, I'm from like the old days of when I don't know. Does League Pass still have the same music? Like, League Pass used to have the most hilarious, like, <laughs> basically, like, 90s, like, Sega Genesis music that they would play when yes. they went to timeout. Yeah, it's they all still that? Horrible. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. That's important. I mean, League Pass sucks. Let's be clear. League Pass does suck. <laughs> it's just, like, I I don't like it. It's yeah, a bad I service. To, you know, I used to be able to expense it. it was, you know, I didn't pay for it. And then after a while, I was like, man, I'm not really ever going well, to use this be fair, in a way where I'd like. Turner doesn't have the money for you to expense uh, Bleacher Report uh, or to expense uh, League Pass. So um, I can. You know, actually, wow, from... you're just reminding me. This is not, I'm not, I swear to God, this is not like to plug it, but I have a, I have like a employee code for BR Live, which includes League Pass. So I guess I actually could watch it. Shit, I should be doing that. That's right, let very, me hang up. You know what that is? You call that a very <laughs> old guy thing to realize, oh, I had a coupon for that. It, that down there yeah. in my wallet that I'd forgotten about. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey man, when you're right, you're right. Can't uh, can't fight you on that one. Yeah, um, I'll show you how to use codes and like type that in. So basically, oh, like when you, you have like an online. <laughs> uh, 
that's that's one level of internet that I'm that I'm very comfortable with. Well, the good thing is you're not in charge of like digital programming or anything like that um, during the day. So no, I'm not. With I, I am actually not a part of that. So you know, there's there's like legitimate young children who run that, and that's why this report looks and sounds like it does because like hire a shitload of 23 year olds and then they you know infuse it with what they're actually caring about and what they're actually doing um i'm i am like an old head at the office it's pretty funny like the vast majority of people who work there under 30 i just imagined like people going into an interview room like this like long line of people trying to work at bleacher report and all they look at on the resume is the birth date it's like 22 get the fuck out of here because <laughs> we're hiring only a shit yeah exactly you're 25 you've been ruined no it's uh it's like it the is, same stuff like... with the nba it, everything's full circle it's like the josh hart thing where you're you're looking for josh hearts you don't want any kcps you have to groom over there at bleacher report you don't have time for these 19 year olds you're ready for the finished product yeah and, and if there's anyone who's a finished product it's a 22 year old <laughs> to say i mean like it's funny like yeah anyway uh, but yeah. people will show up for interviews at BR with, um, you know, like in a suit or something. I always feel so bad because like it's it's a it's a good thing to do. It never leaves a bad impression, but it's also like the office is so casual and young feeling. And when someone shows up, like you see it on their face and they look around, they're just like, oh, man, I shouldn't have worn this suit. But it's like, well, to be fair, it's You're hard to read, suit. man. That's a new it. thing. <laughs> That's a real thing. I've done that. Where like I've been over like it's a terrible feeling. But you also don't yeah. really know. Like a lot of that you just like you said, you can't go wrong, but it's also you stand like it's man, it's a different world. It used to just be um just suit and tie all the time. Like I I remember having a conversation with my dad about it of just him being like, You're not wearing a suit and tie. I'm like, No. And he's like, Yeah, but then like Why? my boss like, like wants people to be dressed up. So like when they interview with me or with someone, one of my reports, and we're like, okay, you know, you can keep it casual. But if I know we're kind of sending them to like the final check-in, I'll be like, hey, you know, get a little, you know, tuck your shirt in, like maybe wear a collar, you know, mm-hmm. try to be a little bit more buttoned up in this one part of it. Not that it really has a bearing on, you know, what, uh, whether you're going to be able to do your job properly, but it does reflect like, a sort of certain level of being able to be client facing or whatever else it is that is important to set, to uh, be able to just show you have that gear of like sort of conventional workplace attire. Right. I mean, you are Mr. Skim, so you should have some level of decorum about you, yeah. right? Well, you know, she, uh, Carly will dress me as, uh, as needed for events. You know, I'm, I'm always just mm. like, what is, what do you need me in? All right, great. I'll be there. Interesting. Okay. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. If you had a choice between, you're a Seattle guy, if you had a choice between an expansion team, so the NBA goes from 30 to 32, and one of the two new teams is Seattle, the other obviously being like Montreal or Vegas, one of the two. I prefer Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um or would you just rather have the Pelicans move to Seattle and keep things at 30? Um, man, it's a tough one. You know, I would probably 
prefer expansion, even though, so I actually had like a whole conversation with Howard Beck at the office about this recently. And I said this. He's been on the podcast, by the way, a couple months ago. Oh, well, Uh, guys, what are you doing talking to me if you can get someone like Howard? Um, But we were talking about it and he was saying like, you know, the NBA is already too diluted. It shouldn't, um, you know, you're basically going to just make it a worse product. And I guess to a degree that's true. But I also, I would say, like like I said, like I don't watch League Pass. And so I just watch the games I want to. You know, I'm not, like, binging every night. So I'm just watching, like, the good games when they come up. And to me, those are about the top seven players on each team anyway. And I don't think you would make that big of a difference at the tippy top. I think you would, what you would get is a few more, like, just true stinkers every year. But... I would probably prefer to have uh, to have it be sort of a guilt-free arrangement where I don't have to feel bad about uh, about us taking some other team unless we got the. You don't feel bad about the Pelicans. It's the smallest market in basketball. They shouldn't have a team. Like I love Pelicans fans. Don't get me wrong. It just they should not have a team. It's just too small. Yeah, you have Anthony Davis. like they just shouldn't. Totally fine. It should, if it's a choice between Seattle and New Orleans, it should be in Seattle. Like that's just it just should. And I don't know. I, I feel you bad. You could say that New about Orleans Milwaukee. Fans, they didn't you could do say that about yeah. No, no I, I agree. Market. That's all. Oh come on. No, um, that's all fine. Market. A top what? Twenty. It's his top twenty city market. Uh, we can get Ethan on, and I remember he was a big city market guy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure for television they're a top twenty market. Sacramento's sneaky in the top twenty as well. New Orleans is like sixty third. I think the next closest is right. Memphis. They're down there, and then but, OKC and Oklahoma City. There. Like yeah. that's the only team that I would want to come back is Oklahoma City. Like if they just like what made if? that right, and they were like, okay, we're just. Well, if there's anything back, you can bet on, it's Clay Bennett making up. things right. <laughs> I could see the yeah, oil no, man making things happening. right. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the that's the circumstances. Like otherwise, yeah, I uh, I would be totally fine and probably prefer to just have an expansion. Um, but yeah, I, if- I guess like <laughs> to be honest, I don't have a super strong feeling other than Oklahoma City should give us our team back. Okay. What if a team goes back in Seattle in the next four years? Are you moving back to Seattle? Yeah, I'm going to move back to be uh, you know president of basketball operations. I've already worked awesome. it out and with Phil the Jackson. City, so I'll uh, I'll just take yeah more of like exactly like kind of a figurehead Magic Johnson type role is what I see for myself. I could see it. Someone who hasn't watched League Pass watches barely any NBA anymore. Someone yep. who's very engaged yep. in the current product. I think you'd be perfect. Right. You actually might be just Young put, Phil. That's your new name. <laughs> young Phil Jackson. Uh, my knees feel sometimes. Am I right? Yeah. Or am I right? Um, exactly. Yeah, no. You could I, rage I would... against uh, the millennials, all that kind of stuff, man. You, you, I think this all works. It's actually kind of depressing that, like, when the, they're going to get a team at some point in my lifetime, I'm pretty yeah. confident about that. But, like, they just got when... the hockey team. Yeah, they just got an arena. But, like, when... By the time that happens, like, I'm too old. I don't wear jerseys. I don't, like, wear team stuff anymore. Like, I've missed that. I've missed the window to, like, really enjoy that as, like, a young person who gets a team and then you get really excited. Mm -hmm. Now it's just like, Uh oh, my friend had a baby. 
I'm going to buy them the new Sonics jersey. <laughs> That's like, that would be like my investment in like the merch and sort of team story. <laughs> well, I mean, at your age, wouldn't it be your Washed. friend's sons? What? Wouldn't it be like your, like your great nephew or something like that? Because I think you already skipped just like son's friend. It'd be like your, it's a little bit different. I think it's another generation more, right? Oh, is this an old joke? Took you took you so long to get around to it that I fell asleep in the middle of it. Took a nap because I'm old, and woke back up, and you were still not done with that joke. So okay, but I was well, able to piece it together from my old man experience. Right, right. Uh, I can't believe I'm ending this podcast with me fucking up the last old person joke. <laughs> well, maybe you'll have On another chat podcast. down the road. I know. <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. Are you going to come back on the podcast, or have I scared you away forever? Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the, the fan mail, it'll basically be impossible for you to fan keep mail. me out. Yeah. yeah. No, or Twitter mentions. I, I assume you're going to get a lot of... Uh, what do you get, DMs? What do you kids oh, get these all days? All the time. Reviews? All the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what they should do, <laughs> Beckley? If they liked listening mm. to you and I banter for the past hour, they could leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes goes a long way there you go yep i know i know i will be doing that as soon as we hang up the phone i want to believe you i want to believe you (laughs) you know i can't figure out how to get to the review page okay well that whole (laughs) okay okay it's a little 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 judo for you (laughs) little old man judo Uh, uh, well, this has done? been a real pleasure. I hope you learned something, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> learned a lot. Like, not inviting Beckley Mason on any more future podcasts. That's what I learned. He's too washed. Well, He's too far gone. If you uh, learned one thing, right. then it was worth it. There you go. We can find you on Twitter where you don't tweet at Beckley Mason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. That is where I am uh, lurking. I don't even know how to plug you. Everybody else I know how to plug, but that's just like, just, uh, I don't know what else to do. Go read Bleacher Report. Tell Bleacher people, Report, if you, I will say this. If you, if you mention me, I will reply. It's basically my inbox now. Uh, mm. So I won't be blasting it out, but I am uh, happy to uh, respond to takes and or anything mean you have to say about Chase. Okay. And also just follow me back on Twitter. What the hell is that? And once you're on my podcast, did you follow me? Like, uh, I'll do that now. I don't think I did actually, but you can go ahead and do that. Yeah. Well, back. there you go. Okay. I feel like we're there now, Beckley. It's the least you could do. <laughs> uh, All right, Beckley. Well, this was great. Did I scroll through my Twitter to end it? There you are, Chase. Oh, you have a blue check. Look at you. Boom. Yeah. Following. Done. Bam. Beckley Mason, Chase Thomas. The two generations collide. On future podcasts, we'll see. Um, get right, use the VR live dude. code. Get league pass. Yeah, oh, there you and go. Then, uh, we can actually talk more hoops next time you're on the podcast. All right, later, brother. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys: if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener. Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can 
access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.